today uh, we're going to look at the book of Third John. Remember, I said uh, the book, the church at Corinth was a hot mess. Can I just say the church that John writes to today is also a hot mess? It, it's it's got a lot of problems. Uh, last Sunday, Pastor Brant skillfully guided us through the book of Second John. Thank you, Pastor Brant. Uh, and today we're going to look at the next book after that, which naturally is Second John last week, Third John, okay? So you can find that in your Bibles. That might take you a little while. In my Bible, it's page uh, 1055, but it probably is different in yours. A uh, little interesting fact for those of you who like Bible trivia, Second John is the shortest book in the New Testament, in the English Bible. But uh, Third John is the shortest book in the Greek New Testament, okay? So track with me for a moment. Uh, 13 verses, 15 verses in Third John, but actually in the Greek, there's one less sentence or one less line than there is in Second John. So if you ever get asked, what's the shortest book in the New Testament? You can say either Second John, English Bible, or Third John, Greek Bible, and you'd be right either way. Okay, there you go. So you got two right answers there. Last Sunday, Pastor Brandt in Second John answered the question, what should you do when false teachers come knocking at your door? Today, 3 John is kind of the opposite question. What should we do when godly, biblical teachers come knocking at our door? So, last Sunday, what do you do when false teachers come and they want to come into your home? This week, what should we do when godly teachers come knocking at our door? So, last week we were looking at the bad guys. This week we're going to look at the good guys. If you're able, would you stand with me? And we don't get to do this very often. We're going to read the entire book, all 15 verses out loud together of Third John. You ready? Balcony, ready? Can you handle it? Okay, let's go. This letter is from John the Elder. I'm writing to Gaius, my dear friend, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Some of the traveling teachers recently returned and made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you are living according to the truth. I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. Dear friend, you are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God. For they are traveling for the Lord, and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. So we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. I wrote to the church about this, but Diotrephes, who loves to be the leader, refuses to have anything to do with us. When I come, I'll report some of the things he's doing 
in the evil accusations he is making against us. Not only does he refuse to welcome the traveling teachers, he also tells others not to help them. And when they do help, he puts them out of the church. Dear friend, don't let this bad example influence you. Follow only what is good. Remember that those who do good prove that they're God's children, and those who do evil prove that they do not know God. Everyone speaks highly of Demetrius, as does the truth itself. We ourselves can say the same for him, and you know we speak the truth. I have much more to say to you, but I don't want to write with pen and ink, for I hope to see you soon, and then we will talk face to face. Peace be with you. Your friends here send you their greetings. Please give my personal greetings to each of our friends there. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for inspiring and having John write down, inspired by your spirit, exactly what you intended for us to read just now. So thank you for this little letter. Would, would you meet us today in your church? We welcome you. Uh, we need your spirit to come and be a part of us. Help Jeff to get out of the way because, Lord, we really need to hear from you. And I want to pause right now, Lord, and pray specifically for the Theodore family because uh, they lost Grandpa this morning. And I want to pray for uh, Beverly as she's just lost her husband, Jim. But thank you, Lord, that uh, he's doing really well. He just got promoted and the angels are singing and rejoicing and welcoming home. But Lord, uh, Keith and Paula and Aaron and Fauna and lots of members of the family are hurting. So uh, would you give them the comfort and the strength and the hope that they need even this morning? And help us, Lord, to come alongside and love on them well. We love you, Lord. We need you here. Uh, and all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice. You can be seated. How many of you have ever been a part of a church that was at war? I, here, here's what I'm talking. I'm talking a church, there's turmoil, there's a major division, there's people taking sides. Maybe even it wound up in a church split. So if you've been a part of that, something like that, how did that go for you? Was it enjoyable? Was it a good experience? And you're thinking, are you kidding? It was awful. Always, it's awful. It's traumatic. It, it leaves permanent scars. It really does. I recall at my home church growing up, I think I was 8, 9, 10 years old, there was some major issue, and I don't even know the names exactly, but a very popular teacher was replaced. And I can recall at a meeting, people I loved and had been in their home were yelling at other people who I loved and I'd been in their home. And they're yelling and they're calling each other bad names. And after that yelling, shouting, ugly meeting, I probably shouldn't have been in there, uh, about half the church left. Never came back. And never saw those friends again. Never in church. And here's what's baffling. Years later, I look back. 
And then most of the people on the other side of the issue, most of them left that church too. So never saw those friends either. So you have the first wave that left and then the other side left. And, and then there was just a small uh, amount of folks left here. And frankly, the shell of the church, it's never been the same again. 50 years later, my ch home church, I don't think has ever recovered. It's maybe a fourth of the size it was when that ugly split occurred. Third John, understand, is dealing with divisions and big trouble in the church. Okay, That's what this little book is all about. Uh, a key reminder from the book of Third John, you might want to write this down, is church divisions and fights and quarrels are not a new problem in the church family. It's not new. Whenever and wherever the church of Jesus Christ is alive and well, Satan is always looking for opportunities to lob fiery darts into those situations and try to get anger and stir up trouble and get divisions going. If you want to know more about that, Ephesians 6 verse 16, that section tells you all about it. Whenever and wherever the church of Jesus Christ is alive, get some sparks. Here's what I like to picture it. Satan loves to find some sparks in a local church family, and he pours gasoline on it. And when you have sparks, and then you have gasoline poured on it, what happens when sparks and gasoline come together? It's not good. <laughs> Pretty soon, there's a roaring inferno going on in those churches. John the Apostle, the disciple that Jesus loved, he tells us in his gospel, the human writer of the gospel of John and the author of 1st and 2nd John, he's the one who pens this most personal letter in all of the New Testament. And I agree. Most commentators say this is the one that it, he names names. He's very personally involved and he writes. He writes this postcard-sized letter. Uh, starts with the positive, okay? He writes to thank and encourage a man named Gaius, okay? Now, who is Gaius? And here's the answer. We don't really know. There's three Gaiuses found in the New Testament, and there's nothing here that gives us any ability to connect him with this Gaius. So probably this is a fourth Gaius. Anyway, we do know this. John really loves and appreciates Gaius, okay? Look what he says. Look at verse 5. Read with me. Dear friend, you're being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through. Even though they're strangers to you, they've told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God. For they're traveling for the Lord and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. So, we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. Let me give you a little background, okay? Um, book of Acts, day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, church is birthed, okay? And then the church sends out John and Peter and Paul and Barnabas, and they travel all around the Mediterranean basin, and they seek to share the news of Jesus Christ. And everywhere they go, people come to faith in Christ. 
new life, that Jesus alive in them, and now they're followers of Jesus Christ. So then they would gather together, those in a community who had accepted Christ, Jesus followers, and in time they'd become churches, usually met in homes. And they would appoint someone to be the elder, to be the shepherd, the overseer of that church family. Understand? Um, and then, track with me, Paul, John, Barnabas, Peter, they'd send teachers to travel around to all of these little house churches, if you will, to build them up, okay? To strengthen them, to disciple them, to be better followers of Jesus Christ, okay? John is writing this letter. He's saying, thank you, Gaius, likely a leader, an elder in that local church. Thank you for providing for these teachers that I'm regularly sending you to disciple you. I'm sending them out, and you're doing just right. You're taking good care of those traveling teachers. Thank you, Gaius, for accepting them and housing them and feeding them and supporting these godly teachers as they teach you the truth of God's book. Okay, so that's kind of the first half of 3 John. But now John the Apostle, let me give you a little bit of thought here. He's likely the last living apostle. We know John lived into his 90s. This is 60 years since Jesus arose from the dead and victoriously came out of that tomb, okay? So about 60 years later now, John is writing this little letter. And now the aging apostle is going to dig in to this man named Diotrephes, okay? He has no problem taking this, this troublemaker and dealing with him head on. Look at verse 9. Here's what he writes. I wrote to the church about this, but Diotrephes, who loves to be the leader, refuses to have anything to do with us. When I come... I'll report some of the things he's doing and the evil accusations he's making against us. Not only does he refuse to welcome the traveling teachers, he also tells others not to help them. And if anybody does help them, he puts them out of the church. Dear friend, verse 11, don't let this bad example influence you. Follow only what's good. Remember that those who do good prove they're God's children. And those who do evil prove that they don't know God. John has no patience for dealing with the games that Diotrephes is playing. He, he's got no patience. Uh, if you'll think about it this way, Gaius is the good guy in the white hat. Diotrephes is the villain here in the black hat. Okay? Now, John tells us specifically five things that are going on with diatrophies, okay? So let's just break them down a little bit. Uh, first, he said he loves to be the leader. He loves to be first. He refuses to take a backseat to anybody, even if that person that he should be listening to is the disciple that Jesus loves, the last living apostle, okay? Second, uh, Diotrephes refuses to have anything to do with us. Uh, it seems like every letter that John writes to Diotrephes, here's what Diotrephes says. Is, oh, that's from John. That, that, that scroll, uh, tear it up, throw it in 
the wastebasket. I'm not listening to him. He wants nothing to do with us. He wants nothing to do with the writings that I give him. Third, he's making evil accusations against us. Gossip and lies. Why? To manipulate the other members of the church family. He's saying things like, you know that old white-haired guy, John? He's getting a little big for his britches, don't you think? I've even heard, I think he's going a little senile. I think he's losing it. I don't think we need to listen to him anymore. Let, let's just go do our own thing. Uh, fourth, he refuses to welcome the teachers, John writes, that I'm sending to you. So I'm sending teachers, and he's not helping them. Matter of fact, he's slamming the door on them. And anybody else in the church family that goes along and helps these teachers, he's saying, you know what? You're no longer welcome in this church. Get out of here. So he's even telling people to go away. You're not welcome here if they help these teachers that I'm sending. And finally, look at verse 11. This is the strongest. Diatrophes is a bad example. He's a bad influence. He's doing evil stuff. Verse 11 says, And we know he's evil and that he doesn't know God and he's proving it by his actions. Got, got the challenge? Got the problem? Okay. Diatrophes is likely the head guy in this church, likely the head elder or pastor, and he's out of control. <laughs> Everybody who comes and doesn't listen to him, he's actively saying, you know what? Get out of here. You're not welcome here anymore. He's resisting the clear directives that John the Apostle is giving his authority. Okay, I'm sending good biblical teachers, and you're saying, no, no, I'm refusing to take care of these teachers. Matter of fact, we want nothing to do with them. So, What's up with diatrophies? Let me give you a few thoughts, okay? First, it could be that he didn't want to take the time or spend the money in housing and feeding and supporting these traveling teachers. That's one option. Secondly, maybe he doesn't like their teaching style. Well, they're too conservative or they're too contemporary. Uh, third, option. It could be that he was intimidated. They were good teachers, and maybe he thought they'd make him look bad. Uh, fourth, this is what most commentators suggest. Diatrophies just didn't like taking orders. He, he wasn't going to take a backseat to anybody. He was going to have nobody telling him what to do, especially an old white-haired aging apostle like John, who's going to be out of here pretty soon. He just doesn't want to listen, okay? Once again, I would say to those of us, we wax poetic, oh, if we could only get back to the early church. Really? <laughs> you mean when there were selfish, narcissistic egomaniacs like diatrophies? <laughs> and can I just say something? We still have selfish, narcissistic egomaniacs today in 2022 in the church. So, we've got uh, about seven, eight minutes. What, what are the takeaway from these 15 verses? What should we learn from 3 John? So, let me give you three quick takeaways as we close. First, there's no such thing as a perfect church. Why is that? Because there's no such thing as perfect people. 
And if there was a perfect church, as soon as I show up, I just mess that up. Uh, so there is no such thing. I like how uh, Pastor Ray Pritchett, he heads up Keep Believing Ministries. Here's what he explains. When two people get married, you're actually marrying three people. Think about it. Those of you who are married, uh, you're marrying the person you think you're marrying. You're marrying the person you're actually marrying. And you're marrying the person they will eventually become when you marry. Okay? So you're marrying three and they're marrying three people too. It's no wonder that marriage is so challenging. You're marrying, there's six people involved. Okay? So when you join a church, the same thing is true. Okay? Uh, you're actually joining three churches. You're joining the church you think you're joining. You're joining the church that you're actually joining, warts and all. And finally, you're joining the church that it will someday become. Here's my point. Lots of folks, when they join here at Walloon, they're so excited. And they're joining this amazing church. And then, just like the church uh, in 3 John, then reality sets in. And the honeymoon's over and finally you realize, you know what? This isn't a perfect church. They got problems. It's full of sinners just like me. They get disillusioned. Listen close. Patience, perseverance, and a long-term perspective are necessary to stick with the church long-term. Let me say that again. Patience, perseverance, Long-term perspective are needed to stick with the church long-term, okay? Otherwise, signs of trouble, I'm going to go hop to another imperfect church. And then here's what I promise, it won't be long, then you'll re realize, you know what, they got warts and problems too, and pretty soon you're just hopping and hopping and hopping. Newsflash, the church at Walloon, if you didn't already know it, is not a perfect church. Okay. Second takeaway from 3 John is this. There are still folks like Diotrephes in the church 2022. And Kevin, you and I have been here long enough. I can think of at least two Diotrephes-like people um, in the last years. Um, Diotrephes-like people are usually interested in two things. They like control. They want to be in charge. They're looking to worm their way in and grab a hold of the steering wheel of the church. Secondly, diatrophies like people usually want to take charge of the money. Because if you're in charge of the money, then they think they're going to be in charge of the church. Listen close. We operate here at Walloon, East Jordan Community Church, Lansing Community Church, with a group of leaders. Here's what I mean. We have elders, we have deacons, we have shepherds, we've got 12 elders and deacons on our official church board, we've got eight shepherds or pastors who are a part of the decision-making process. Here's my point. Listen close. A good biblical shared system makes it much harder for a diatrophies to come in and grab control, okay? So if you have shared uh, leadership, there's safety in numbers. There really is. And we are blessed to have shared leadership 
to steer our church family in these really uncertain days. And they are. Third and final takeaway. You ready? From Third John. Fires don't usually go out on their own. I used to think that ignore it and it might go away. Okay? There's a problem. Just ignore it. And I think that's a male thing. I really do. Or at least it's this male. Ignore it and I think it will go away. And I've come to realize that fires usually require somebody to go and put the fire out. Apostle John does not ignore the fire named Diotrephes. I love that. He warns Gaius. He says, hey Gaius, there's a fire and his name is Diotrephes. And I'm encouraging you, Gaius. Don't listen to him. He's a bad influence. And I want you to share the danger named Diotrephes with the other leaders there. And then look what he says, verse 13. I have much more to say to you, but I don't want to write Write it all out with penny. I'm going to come to you soon and we'll talk face to face. I love this. John says, I'm not going to FaceTime with him. I'm not going to text him. I'm not going to email him. I'm going to come person to person, face to face, and deal with this fire, fiery situation. Okay? I'm going to come and I'm going to look in Diatrophy's eyes and I'm going to deal with this situation face-to-face. I love it, okay? God's plan to reach and change the world, any guesses? It's the local church. So the hope of the world is the local church, which just makes sense that Satan's bullseye, his target, if he knows the, the hope of the world, God's plan to reach and change the world is the local church, where do you think Satan fires his greatest number of darts. It's the local church. Makes sense. He's trying to destroy us, get us on fire, and divide us. So, give me your eyes. Can we just decide, by God's grace, we're going to pay close attention to the little fires. Or maybe even the sparks. Or maybe even it's just a little smoke. And we're going to run like the firemen of Jesus Christ. And if we see fires, we're not going to ignore them and hope they just go out on their own. Okay? Because oftentimes, if ignored, the sparks become raging infernos. Okay? We're not going to leave the door open for a diatrophies to enter in. The kingdom work of Jesus Christ is far too important. Okay? Our job is to reach and change the world with the good news of Jesus. This work is far too... We're supposed to reach northwest lower Michigan with the good news of Jesus. Far too important to allow Satan to worm his way in and scorch the church of Jesus Christ here in Walloon Lake, in East Jordan, in Lansing. Okay? My life verse, 1 Corinthians 58, we'll put it up. Here, here, here it is. So, my dear brothers and sisters. Why don't you say it with me, okay? So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong, immovable, always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Is there more? For you know that your work in the Lord is never without strong 
Always working, for you know that your work in the Lord, I know it in NIV, not the NLT, that nothing you'll ever do is ever in vain in Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Nothing we'll ever do when we're working for, it's never in vain. Don't give up. Don't give up. Be strong. Be immovable. Bow your heads as we close. Lord, thank you that all that we've talked about here today revolves around your son, Jesus. And Lord, if there's anybody here today who doesn't know your son, Jesus, personally, here's the question. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know the purpose of your life because Jesus brings meaning and purpose to life. When Jesus died, was his death enough so that nothing else you need to do for your salvation? His death, his burial, his resurrection from the dead. Faith alone in Christ alone. Will you say today, Jesus, I believe the cross was enough for me. I trust you, Jesus. I trust your shed blood. I trust you taking my place in the grave and arising from the dead early Sunday morning. Absolutely nothing else. Nothing I can do or earn or merit. And by faith right now, Jesus, I open the door of my life. I welcome you in, Jesus. Come now, be my Savior, my King, my forever friend. You can do that right where you're at. If you're watching online, if you're here today in the building, today can be the day of salvation. We'd love to get you. We've got a, a booklet. We'll get you a Bible. We'll get you started in your journey with Jesus. Give us uh, an address if you're watching online. Make your way over to the prayer corner if you're here in person. We'd love to get going with you in your new journey. Thank you, Lord, for protecting your church here at Walloon from attacks, from diatrophies-like people. And Lord, I know there's still more diatrophies-like people out there. So help us as a church family to be like a fire department. Lord, would you help us to be on the watch for little sparks and blazes that might break out around us? Give us wisdom the water of your spirit and the water of your word to put those fires out before they get big and deadly. Thank you, Lord, for even the small postcard-like books you inspired for us, like 3 John. Use us in this week ahead, we ask. It's in Jesus' mighty, awesome name we pray.